2: Hello and welcome to the podcast and a new season of Mindful Escapes into the Green Outdoors. My name's Fergus Collins and I'm your host. So we've got a lovely series of beautiful adventures as autumn stretches into winter. and A lot of these were recorded in spring and summer so that we can bring a bit of light at this darker time of year. In this, our fifth episode, we return to the Folk by the Oak Festival in Hertfordshire to hear music steeped in landscape, wildlife, love and lore. Our friend Annabelle Ross talks to Karine Polwart from Spell Songs, and we meet heroes of mine, the Proclaimers, and listen to two of their most famous songs. So a big thank you to everybody at Folk by the Oak for letting us in and I hope you enjoy these beautiful melodies. And don't forget to leave likes and feedback on whichever podcast provider you use. You can email me at editor at countryfile.com.
0: My is Karine Polwart and I'm a songwriter, a folk singer and a writer. What do you write? Um, I write children's books. I write
3: theatre pieces. I write stories. And are they all? Are they all with the theme of the natural world and the landscape and nature, or not necessarily? Um, I think more and more that's the kind of core world
0: that I'm kind of cuddling around in. Yeah, and that's been an evolution over. I would say the past ten years. Um, I've just. I guess. I guess. It's a reflection of where i live i live in the southeast corner of scotland so i love the place that i live and i write a lot about the landscape round about me which is kind of a landscape of um farms and moorland and woods and beautiful coastline of east lothian um, so that's a big source of inspiration for my writing
3: Kareen, with your music, you're, you sing on your own and you sing with spell, spell Singers, but you presume, or maybe you sing with other bands as well, I've no idea. but um, So you write your own music for yourself, is that right? I write my own music and I also perform traditional songs.
0: And I also reinterpret the songs of other people. So for me, they're all kind of in the same pool, really. Um, but yeah, my, my own writing is very much inspired by um,
3: kind of storytelling folk style of, of writing. Does folk music always come from the countryside? Would you say, or can it? Does it? Does it? Is that a bit unfair? You can be, you can, you can kind of in, be inspired as a folk singer in the city as much as the country. or Would you say it's kind of traditionally from the countryside? Um, I think.
0: That, I think actually, it's not necessarily traditionally from the countryside. I think it's very much rooted in place, and time, and circumstance. But you're as likely to hear a song that's from from. Um, the experience of a factory worker in the nineteenth century, or a fishing community, or so there's there's tons of urban folk songs, and tons of songs of protest and resistance that have come very much from kind of urban experience. Um, but a lot of a lot of music, and certainly in Scotland, because there's so much land, um, a, a lot of it is also inspired by by place and by landscape, and specifically by how people inhabit that landscape. So you get a real sense from the kind of history of folk song, of, of, of how people have lived on the land that they have, you know, they've farmed and they've fished and they've, you know, the land has been a something that they're kind of codependent with and that's what's of interest to me now I think in the context of climate change and uh, climate emergency really is that there's a lot of people within the folk music scene um, in the UK who are actively engaged with the issue of kind of um, you know biodiversity loss and um, really thinking about the kind of deep stories that are attached to the places that we live in and what we
3: do, like, going forward, what what that means, what impact we're having So, places. So are you writing more in that style of, of, of sort of environmental awareness? Would you, would you call it Or
0: I would say so, and, and not necessarily in a polemical way, but, you know, I, I've written over the past five or six years... Um, about a peat bog that's very local to me just two miles down the road so I've written a whole theatre piece and a book and an album with my friend and colleague Pippa Murphy who's a composer and sound designer all about this one tiny little scrap of peat bog but it's so rich there it's rich in terms of the plant life the animal and bird life the history of it, because it was close to the site of a medieval hospital, and, and there was a kind of codependency with the moor, because the, the people who worked there, the, the abbots that, that lived on the, in the hospital site, you know, knew which plants to collect that would give offer pain relief, that would. So there's, I think, there's a real um, growing sense of uh, fascination and interest about some of the knowledge that we, we've perhaps lost about the, the things that grow around us and that live amongst us, that actually have, you know, we've had
3: good knowledge <laughs> of how these things can, can help us and how we can help them. So actually folk music is important in a kind of passing the message on and keeping it alive and keeping the story alive and keeping the history alive. Um, I mean, for me, it, for me, it's important. It's not
0: important to everybody, but for me, it's it feels like a really potent way to connect with people who lived in other times. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot to be gained from an awareness of people and how they lived in the past. And and they present a really graphic um, story of, of what's changed over the arc of decades and centuries. Um, and there's something to be learned from that, I think. And also something to be projected into the future and a sense of awareness about, about a responsibility to, to people who don't exist yet, and I think that's something that comes very strongly from folk traditions. We're, we're listening in the background just now um, to my friend and bandmate um, Sekou Keita who's a kora player and singer from Senegal, and he can name his generations of musical ancestors, I think 70 or 71 generations back and actually that's not uncommon um, for people, for example in Gaelic singing tradition or piping traditions, to be able to name generations, and I think once you have that sense of that you've come from some place, then maybe it gives you a head start in thinking about where it's all going, and that one day you you will be the ancestors of somebody who's not alive yet. So there's something about time. Like folk music is a offers not just a sense of spatial awareness and place. It offers a sense of um, journey and people's stories journeying through time.
3: So what are we going to hear you doing today? Because I, I, I'm talking to you before you're going on stage today. So you're going on twice, are you, in two different, with two different hats on? So what will you be doing later? So um, I'm going to be performing with a group called Spell Songs. There's seven of us, including
0: Seku. Um And we our, our music is all inspired by the work of Jackie Morris and Robert McFarlane and, and the, the work that they've done through The Lost Words and The Lost Spells. And that that work, which which exists in in pictorial and, and kind of spell word form, is all about the loss of words that, that you know our, our, our kind of waning ability to name the things that we live amongst, and um, the kind of all this greater than human life around us. Um, and we have been absolutely privileged to respond to that work in the form of music and song. So all of the stuff that we'll, we'll be performing with spell songs is inspired by. Um, yeah, I mean, for example, we, we have a song for the heron and a song for the fox, a song for the bramble. Yeah, um, cool. So it's about a lot of the, you know, the plants and animals and birds that are around us. But but um, with an awareness that actually not everyone has access to those to those plants and animals and birds, and so there's a, there's an inequity about about how we engage with the landscape around us. And I think that project
3: that Jackie and Rob have spearheaded has been. Really bringing that to the to the fore. In as the spell singers, spell singers, um, did you not all kind of choose one spell to kind of work on? So which, or maybe more than one? Which one did you do, or more than one? And um, so I
0: chose. Let um, me think. <laughs> bramble. So I chose bramble because it's so familiar to me. It grows in my back garden. I make jam. My mum's always made jam. My granny made jam. So brambles are a big deal. Um, so the bramble spell is kind of a it's quite a gnarly one it's kind of a a little bit eerie and creepy it's kind of a there's a sense of something post-apocalyptic or post-pandemic or something there's something quite eerie about the spell which Rob wrote before the whole Covid-19 outbreak happens Um, but I guess it's about how life persists whether or not we are around to witness it um, which is just the truth but actually the the amazing thing about the group is there are seven of us. So there's Sekut Keita, um, there's Julie Fowlis, the Gaelic singer, Chris Trever from Orkney, Rachel Newton, beautiful harp player, uh, Beth Porter, who's a cellist and singer, and Jim Molyneux uh, on key. In fact, Jim Molyneux plays everything. He's an amazing musician. He's kind of like musical glue. But every single one of us um, was drawn to something different in the work. Um, so there was no fighting about what we would write <laughs> about, which was, which was handy. Um, And it means that there's a because there are seven different voices and musical personalities represented the thing you know the whole musical form has a lovely kind of diverse quality to it but at the same time we feel like a band so it's an absolutely joyous
4: E Amém
5: name's Sherlock. That's my forest name. My outside world name is rather boring so it's called Richard which is quite dull. So that's why I call myself Sherlock because I love trees, especially oak trees and I like unravelling the mysteries of nature just like Sherlock Holmes did. So I'm a a, what could I say Uh,
4: uh,
5: mad
3: You do look. You do look very. You're very, very foresty looking today, with your green suede, long suede waistcoat, green shorts, green t-shirt. Oh, blue shoes, and your bowler hat with all the leaves and feathers in it. Are those jay feathers?
5: They are jay. Well yeah, done. Yes. Lovely
3: those yes. ones in the front. Yeah, I'm quite what pleased about, I got those right.
5: What about the other ones. Uh, Kestrel. It's an owl. Tawny. Owl. Tawny. Another owl. He's. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. That's buzzard.
3: Awesome. Oh, okay, and, were, and an oak leaf, of, yes, course. of course. And so, what are you doing today? We're just about to go on this walk. What is it you're 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 taking people to see or do?
5: Well, we're going to show them uh, some of the ancient trees in Hatfield Forest. So, Hatfield Forest is probably the last proper hunting forest. So, it looks now. If you look at it now, it looks. It probably would have looked the same in Norman times. I just want to show people some of these lovely, wonderful trees and why they're ancient and just tell them a bit about the trees, you know. Uh, I do this because I love nature and I've always loved nature. I was very lucky. I was exposed to nature from a very young age since I was born and um, it instilled in me a love of nature and I want to share it with other people Um, because a lot of people don't get a chance to, to... indulge in nature as much as as I do so uh, they don't get the opportunity and in schools it's a different kind of structure and they teach in a different way and I try to teach through discovery exploration games and activities rather than sitting in a classroom and lecturing.
3: And always being outside come rain or shine?
5: No not in the rain no.
3: Oh you don't you don't get up when it rains? No would you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and um, so what do we need to do in schools to get kids more interested in nature what, what do we need to change
5: uh, well uh, I think it needs a whole sale firstly I probably wouldn't if I had children I wouldn't send them to school uh, I would uh, probably homeschool them or uh, community school of some kind because I think schools are too big too structured, they're too hierarchical um, and they don't really teach much about nature so really a curriculum. Considering what we're going through at the moment with 40 degree heat in Britain, I think we really need to focus on nature. How to grow plants, how to grow your own plants, not keep consuming and buying things. Um, How to feed plants, how to ferment them and keep them through the winter. Um, How to make compost. How to actually make compost. Um, So, how to repair a bike. These are the things that should be in schools. This is what kids should be learning, if you ask me. Not King Henry VIII and his six wives or seven wives. And I mean, that's all I remember from school. That is all I remember. What I've learned about nature is what I've learned after school. So I think it takes a long time, but after school basically you're unlearning what you've learned at school so
3: so you didn't enjoy learning at school but now you're a teacher because you realize that there's a better way to learn
5: yes exactly yeah, yeah. okay
3: that's really sweet and um where did you grow up out of interest
5: i grew up in bryslip
3: yeah her- in my playground was Lip woods
5: and and my when well, i'm not sherlock uh, I'm a, a woodland officer uh, in Rising Woods. So uh, I managed to get a job in the woodland that I used to play in as a kid. So, to me, that is uh, the greatest job in the world. I'm giving you a ticket, OK? Now, you all know what that leaf is, don't you? Mm-hmm. What is it? Oak. Do you know which type of oak it is?
0: A Quercus robo. Is <laughs> one? Have a look. That
5: one's not... No. Uh, no, I'm going to show you how to identify the two types. There are two types of native oak in this country and it took me about 40 years to learn them. Not easy to learn but we're going to try today. So, two types of oak are, does anyone know? One's a sessile. One's a sessile or Quercus petraea, The other's Quercus Roba. Penduncula. And the other one is pedunculate, right. yes, yes, or oh, Quercus roba. Yes. So Quercus is a Celtic name. So Quercus means fine tree, apparently, in the old Celtic language. And roba, Quercus roba, means, I think it means strong. I think it's Latin, yeah. Um, so the two types of trees. So you've got sessile and peduncula. Now peduncula, the leaves, there is an easy way to do it with acorns, but if they haven't got acorns, we need to do it with the leaves. So the leaves, a like Quercus rover or pedunculus, you only have five or less lobes. So if you count your lobes on the side, if there's less, or five or less, well if there's less than five, it's definitely Quercus rover or pedunculus. If you've got more than that, you've got sessile. So you you look as if you've got sessile over there. How many have you got? So no, just on one side. Oh, yeah. oh, right. oh. I've got five and a half, I think.
0: It's been nibbled.
5: <laughs> so this one has got one, that's two, three, four, five, yeah. six. Don't count the top one. Six there. So that is five, sessile. That's a sessile, yes, that's a sessile. <laughs> and the other one has got one, two, three, four, four and a half. So that is peduncular. That's right. And also on pedunculate you'll notice that they have these ears at the bottom. Look at your leaf. If it's got ears at the bottom, that means it's quercus robor. The main way, but you can only do this in autumn, I'm telling the two apart is by the stalk. So this is an acorn. Okay and this thing is called a what any ideas? peduncle so that's why it's peduncular oak because it's got a peduncle a peduncle is some is a stalk that leads to a a flower or a seed and in this case the seed is the acorn sessile oak doesn't have a peduncle so the acorn sits right on the twig. okay so that is the main difference the main way of telling the difference okay okay so that's that's our first So this tree here, would you say that was ancient? Yes. Yeah? Put yeah. 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 your heads up if you think yeah. ancient. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Why? It's girth, yeah, size of it. So it's a uh, very it's very wide, very large circumference. So it's not a huge girth, isn't it? That's one reason. And the other reason is because you've got its crown. It's lost its crown, it's got all this dead wood on it. Uh, but it's still alive. So an ancient tree is a tree that's older than 400 years. But it's also showing the signs of retrenchment. So it's showing the signs of death. And it's basically, retrenching means uh, you try to keep your physical integrity, so you stay alive, by losing some of your parts. So, <laughs> for example, it's lost its crown and it's reduced its crown to lower down so therefore the roots which are now old and feeble can still feed lower down but they can't reach all the way up there so that's why they deliberately reduce the top their top crown so I've lost my crown and you can see and I've reduced it and now it grows out of my ears and my nostrils you know so um, and also i don't play football anymore because i can't so but i still want to keep my physical integrity so i play table tennis
6: which is a lot easier
5: so that's what it's doing
6: it's
1: I'm Charlie, I'm sitting here near Hatfield House.
3: Charlie from the Proclaimers.
1: Yes, Charlie from the Proclaimers. <laughs> Hi, I'm Craig from the Proclaimers. I'm sitting two feet away.
3: Um, so, Folk by the Oak, is this your usual kind of scene that you would be doing, you'd be playing at at the we, moment?
7: We do all kinds of festivals. This is definitely one of the more sedate ones we do, but we, do, we have done folk festivals in, in Britain, we've done them in uh, Canada, we've done them in Australia New Zealand. So we have done a number of them down the years, a lot of other different kind of festivals, you know, but this this is a, a lovely setting here. We haven't done this one before, so we're looking forward to it.
3: So am I, really looking forward to it. And uh, do you consider yourself folk, folk, folk singers?
1: I consider what we do to have folk roots and folk influence, yeah. I mean, I think primarily it was rock and roll with us growing up, but certainly the tradition of Maybe lyrics that don't just talk about love between a man and a woman. I think that in the folk tradition. And, uh... well, I think it's a, it's a social commentary record, this this new one.
7: It's called uh, Dentures Out, the album, and it's going to be out in September. Uh, and it's basically talking about... It's a, this. I think it's the first record we've ever done where there is a theme running through it, and the theme is the past. Given that we're 60, that's not particularly... Surprising, but it's a definitely an anti, anti-nostalgia record. It's definitely an anti-nostalgia. We are looking back in quite a lot of it, uh, and we're looking around us at, the, at what's around us now. And um, I think that's where the political stum, stuff comes from, and the satire, because there's so much material to work with. You know, there's so many things going on now that it's basically like um, shooting fish in a barrel, really.
3: Yeah, there is an extraordinary amount going on at the moment that is yeah, that you can use. I imagine. Did you did you get any inspiration from the countryside growing up, or did you get any inspiration from the countryside with any of your lyrics? Or I mean, I could ask you, where did you walk those (laughs) one thousand miles? It was altogether (laughs) one thousand.
7: It's. I think. that definitely wasn't that was definitely a, a pledge that wasn't a, something I'd done I do like walking I like walking in cities more I'll be honest with you but um, we, we did when we were young we spent two two and a half years in Cornwall in a rural setting and then we moved back to Scotland we'd been born Edinburgh moved to Cornwall when we were about eight two and a half years there then back up to Scotland to Ochnamarty and Fife and that was about eight years so we did a a good ten years of our childhood was spent in rural environments so that obviously does have an effect on you,
1: yeah.
3: And do you have fond memories of it, like running around or climbing trees or?
1: I think both places, particularly Cornwall, I think Coming from Scotland, I know things are changing quickly, but the weather was so much better in Cornwall. It is still better in Cornwall. And it, that was interesting. And playing out in the fields a lot, I think, when we're, we're talking about seven, eight, nine years of age.
4: Um,
1: and yeah, I think, and very, very fond memories of Cornwall. Somewhat of Fife as well. Then you were getting a bit older, playing football and stuff, but you know, taking the, the, the dogs up the hills and stuff like that. Yeah, very, very fond memories of that.
3: Oh, you are big football fans, aren't you? Who's your team?
1: The Hebernia football team.
3: Okay, thank you. I'll just leave it there because I'm not going to pretend I know anything (laughs) about football. Um, So you. Craig, you were talking about walking through cities do you still do quite a lot of
7: walking? A lot, yeah, because I mean it is the I get get the buses in Edinburgh a lot because they're good uh, but still the often easiest way to to get about is walking uh, in Edinburgh. Up those hills? Uh, Up those hills, uh, yes it's a very hilly place but it's a good place to to be out walking and uh, I go through the, the meadows, the park on the south side of Edinburgh most days so that's a that's an uplifting experience
3: is it your thinking time or are you listening to stuff are I you listening to music or podcasts? Or? I
7: never listen to stuff I never put your phones ever. I observe and I think uh, and you get, sometimes you get tunes in your head uh, and you just look around and, and it, it is good it is the truth you know if you live in an urban environment even 10 fifteen minutes spent walking through a park or some, some trees it definitely helps your your mood there's no
1: doubt about that.
3: Do you both write the lyrics?
1: Yes, we do. Craig likes it a lot more than I do, but we both write music and lyrics. Yeah. I think generally with
7: most songs that we write, there's, there's definitely a fair amount of truth in all of them, and some of them it's basically as a directly a direct observation of things that have happened. But you, you 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 do need that extra bit that comes from I don't know where I, where it comes from, you know. But I think a majority of our lyrics are probably based on events that we have been through or
1: we have observed
3: Will really, you, do you think you'll keep going till you drop?
1: I, I don't know I, I, yeah I would like to I think it's good to do that the question, that the main thing is I really don't want to know the minute and the hour of when I drop you know, but it would be good to carry on it would be good not to retire but I think that there comes a, a thing with, with acts, a lot of acts they go on too long. I mean, I was listening earlier on to Richard Thompson, he's great, he's as great as he ever was, maybe better. And uh, the styles of music that it suits maybe folk, acoustic music, um, some jazz, maybe some blues. But I think what we do is going to be hard to sustain mm. in, in well into the future. But keep going as long as you can. And the bottom line is keep going as long as somebody wants to see you, if no one wants to come. You're off on your holidays, aren't you? Or you're, you're dead on the street, either. You
7: know? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think, I think the main thing is keeping going uh, at a good standard. If your stand if your standards, I think you can maybe we're definitely 100 percent now. If it goes down to 90, you could probably still do it. You'd Probably still want to do it. But if it went down to like 70 or something, I, I, I don't think. No, I mean, we're 60 now. Uh, we always say when we got to 60, it's time to to sit down and look at it and see if it's still. You still think you're doing it just and we are so um, the, the next few years I think we'll definitely keep going beyond that, beyond the, beyond the next five years I don't know
3: I can't wait to see you, I can't wait thank you so much Thank you <laughs> okay.
4: Thank you I'm going to be glad to see be you And if, if I leave that Yeah, I, I man, know I'm going to be I'm going to be. I'm gonna be glad to see you, you.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Want to be more active
6: this summer? Sierra
5: helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your
2: local store, like now. Go! what a lovely way to finish with the Proclaimers walking 500 miles and 500 miles more. I've been a fan of the Proclaimers for many years. so lovely to get them on the podcast. Thank you, both Proclaimer brothers, for joining Annabelle there and chatting to her and allowing us to publish a couple of their great songs. So that was the Folk by the Oak Festival. And I'd like to say a big thanks to organisers Caroline and Adam Slough for inviting us there in the form of Annabelle, our good friend, so we heard there, as well as the Proclaimers, we heard Karine Pullwatt with uh, from Spell Songs and their song Jay. Beautiful. Talking of beautiful, i joined in the <laughs> studio by <laughs> Hannah, Hannah and Jack, uh, who were away last week. Hannah and Jack helped me make the podcast, and without whom it wouldn't exist. Lovely to see you both. Hola. And you. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed a bit of folk music. Nice to have some music on the plod.
8: Very lovely.
2: Do, are you a fan of the Proclaimers, as much as I am?
8: Uh, Sunshine on Leaf always makes me cry doesn't matter what context it's in. It's just immediately tears.
2: My heart was broken.
8: It's just, ah. yeah, just does something. It's
2: a lovely song. It does always think, I do always think of the countryside. Obviously mm. for them it's slightly different and I was interested that their songs have quite an urban take, obviously. And lots of deep thoughts there, but it's not totally inspired by, by the countryside.
8: Well, it goes back to what Lauren McCall was talking about. Um, Lauren McCall from Salt House in the previous episode. She talks about... Nature and landscape being relevant in an urban environment as well. It's not solely the job of the countryside to look after nature. It's 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 everywhere. Well, we
2: need it in our cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrate it in our cities. Celebrate it through song because yeah.
6: that's where most people live. Jack, you're a fan of folk music, proclaimers, and yeah, more for folk music. I think there's a. It's sort of in the same category as almost like sea shanties. It's sort of mm-hmm. they're nice music that is very. St- Sort of story-led, story-based. Steeped in, yeah.
2: steeped in, mess and yeah, old tales. And, mm.
8: and like talking about that layering, there's that close harmony, something about the combination of different people's voices in that kind of style that I think really speaks to something within us. It's just such a pleasing thing to hear.
2: When we had Sam Lee earlier in the year, With singing with nightingales, as she directly communing with nightingales and that Sussex forest. I think that was the absolute sort of apex of folk music and landscape and nature coming together. It was so moving. And if you haven't heard that, that's episode 147 Sam Lee in a Sussex woodland with nightingales. But yes, we've had two episodes from Folk by the Oak, and I'd like more to get more music in. It's always good. We'd like to have... We should have a jingle. (laughs) (laughs) We need some jingles. Um, We've got birdsong as our jingle at the moment. So if anyone has any suggestions or offers or ideas, we'd love to hear them. You can get in contact with me. My name's Fergus Collins. My email address is editor at countryfile.com.
8: Talking of creative ideas, I'm very interested to find out what your forest names would be.
2: Okay, Sherlock's Taken, which is so... Such such, a shame. Yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to Sherlock and his... Uh, his wanders around the forest. Do we
8: think that puns are a necessary part of the forest name?
2: In my life, in my <laughs> life, puns are important. Um, mine would be fungus.
8: <laughs> um, Can you be a fun guy? A
2: fun guy, well, I, yeah. There's, there's not mushroom for more than Fungus my... is
6: more like Fergus, though. It yeah, is. Yeah, just, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, but
8: it's just full of childhood trauma, isn't it?
2: it it's a sort of, well, it was my one of one of my nicknames. You heard my other nickname the other day, which is flower. But also because of fungus, there was also, when I, just when I reached that age where, people, where kids are really cruel, Raymond Briggs released Fungus the Bogeyman, mm. which was Classic. really hilarious, but I couldn't read it because it was all about, I mean, it was this green monster who collected snot. and um,
8: <laughs> I can see why they called you so, that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's one of my hobbies. Um it's uh, it just came at the wrong time. So everybody in my class, well, not everybody. I had some. I had, I had friends, but there was a sort of fungus, <laughs> fungi, mushroom. I was the whole the whole lot. So it was a, uh, and now I've come to appreciate that it is this connection. to – and I'm in my element in autumn, Jack. I'm, I'm trying to be too clever. I, should we? Should we up, should Jack
8: we, is the beanstalk.
2: Jack, Jack is the beanstalk because he's at least a foot <laughs> taller than than both Hannah and I. So I only just fit in this room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to yeah. fold you. <laughs> yeah. So we've got shirt. Um, and what's yours?
8: I have genuinely no idea. I would not. I just, oh come yeah, on! You no, can't ask a huge the question of without. Imagination.
2: A, uh, well, we've got to come up with one now. Okay. So we need a, We need a, We need a name for Hannah.
8: I think this needs minds greater than yours.
2: Yes, there's quite a few minds greater than us. Harsh, but fair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If you can come up with a forest name for Hannah.
8: Yes, please do, listeners.
2: Look forward to that. Same email address, and uh, we'll enjoy uh, sharing forest names. Anyway, Fungus and Jack Jack and the Beanstalk. (laughs) Jack the Beanstalk. Um, Jack by the Hedge, I think, is is my favourite, which is garlic mustard. A great springtime flower, and that's—it's also a tall one. Springs out of taller than all the surrounding plants. I take whatever it's I can quite get. Smelly. Ah, smelly, yeah. but in a nice perfect, way. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I'm trying. Gosh, you're on a hard crowd tonight. Um, <laughs> well, we while we're here, we do have some—we do have some missives from our lovely listeners, uh, including long-distance listener of the week, and we've got a lovely long letter in the postbag. So brilliant. Who would like to delve into...
6: I can just take a delve and see what comes out. Why don't you delve? I will delve. This is a long one. Just take off the wax seal. <laughs> oh, wow. This is this one's from Hannah Boley. A regular writer. Regular writer. And this one... I'm liking the look of this one. They've written it and said, uh, In the car on the way home from holiday at the end of August, my six-year-old son and I listened to episode 160, the one about bees. We paused it now and then to discuss various things that were said, and at one point I heard, Mummy... Yes. This is really interesting. We both learned lots about bees and enjoyed the lady's enthusiasm for her work. Then we moved on to episode 161, the one on cattle. Uh, this was obviously a bit more intense, but I have a lot of respect for Tim Smith and always enjoy hearing from him, so thought I'd try my luck regarding in-car entertainment. Again, my son and I had conversations about various things and, most importantly, about how we as a family try not to eat too much meat. And the meat we do eat is happy meat or at least as happy as we can afford. I really appreciate how the conversation was nuanced and acknowledged the complemented balance between farmers' lives and incomes. Farming as a whole system that fits with our environment and the importance and challenges of social pressures. Brilliant.
2: Lovely. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, that's really, really interesting. I think that, well, Totti, the bee lady, I think has been one of our best ever guests because of her her knowledge, her passion, her sort of strength at going against the orthodoxy of, of beekeeping and whatever she's doing, she's doing it brilliantly. It was so interesting and well worth a listen. And of course, Hannah also mentioned the one about eating meat and uh, also about grazing, how grazing and using cattle
6: is a really good conservation tool. It's quite, great to hear your son's loving it as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, really. Nice to hear you listening in. I think it's... It's great.
8: feels like a real privilege that you would let us kind of speak to your child.
2: <laughs> great, I might try it on my son. <laughs> try it in the car. I uh, go, Daddy, I'm tired of your voice. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I left a little, I think, a little tape, audio tape in the uh, bottom well, of the bag that you to grab. It.
2: You have, indeed. This is really exciting. I'm going to play it to you first and then we'll have a little bit of chat about it. I hope it excites you. It's not from this country, so Hannah, no. do you know what...
8: It's, it's definitely the Clangers.
2: It's the Clangers, yeah. The Clangers have written in, and um, it's not the Clangers. It's, um, is it surprisingly, a is it it's a bird? bird. It's a bird, it's a magpie, but it's an Australian magpie, which I had to look up. They look vaguely similar in the fact they're black and white, but they look a bit bigger and bolder. They sing this beautiful... Rather sort of soft and tuneful song, whereas uh, magpies mostly that you hear in the UK are quite
6: quite harsh. It's a lot nicer than yeah, the yeah. UK ones. Apparently,
2: now I haven't heard a magpie sing, but in in spring they do have a very beautiful singing voice, but it's not uttered very often. So curious. Maybe mm. we could try and capture that next yeah, spring.
8: That's one to get.
2: This lovely recording was sent in by Ali Cook from Badingara, which is 250 kilometres north of Perth in Western Australia. So thank you, Ali. Really loved that. Gosh, who do we give our book of the week to? I think we'll have to give a book of the week to both.
6: Both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So I will dig. To, To both Hannah and Ali, thank you very much for sending in. We will send you a book from our uh, from our library, from our, <laughs> our podcast Plop library. library. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's just appeared. I get um, them off the top shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is obviously this is a, a wild inducement to get more of you to send in your thoughts and your sound any, any sounds that you record. That's so lovely to get uh, something all the way from Australia that we wouldn't normally hear in our daily lives, and. But you can find anything on your doorstep, or the sound of the wind in the trees. We just love to hear them, and you too. If we choose our favourite of the week, we'll send you out a book from, as I say, the very glamorous, very extensive podcast library. Libraries. Yeah, the podcast library, which is full of lovely wildlife and countryside books. So that's it for now. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to everybody at the Folk by the Oak Festival for for joining in with the podcast. Thank you to Jack and Hannah for your lovely contributions and to you all out there for listening catch us again next week bye bye for now